Esther chapter 6 verse 1 On that night could not the king sleep, and he commanded to bring the book of records of the chronicles, and they were read before the king. A normal pastime for the king is to listen to the book of chronicles of everything that's gone on in his time and in previous king's times. As a reminder, and to understand his kingdom better and how to be a better ruler. So he would have the books read to him during the daytime, maybe during a scheduled appointment, but he couldn't sleep that night. And so he thought, this is a great time to knock this duty out and listen to the Chronicles for a while. This is the same night after the first banquet that he had with Esther. And this is the same night that Haman went home and told all of his people that he's on top of the world, all except that Mordecai is still alive, and all he wants to do is kill Mordecai. And then his wife and his friends said, why don't you have the gallows built? So at this point that the king is listening to the books of the Chronicles, the gallows are being built for Haman in a different part of town. And it was found written that Mordecai had told of Bigthana and Teresh, two of the king's chamberlains, of those that kept the door, who had sought to lay hands on the king Ahasuerus. Remember, before Esther became queen, Mordecai had reported to Esther that these two chamberlains wanted to kill him. And then Esther told told the king and gave Mordecai the credit for reporting this, and it was all recorded. And the king hadn't been thinking about this for a while, but now he's reminded that Mordecai had saved his life. 3. And the king said, What honor and dignity hath been done to Mordecai for this? Then said the king's servants that ministered unto him, There is nothing done for him. The king asked, How did we reward Mordecai for saving my life? And the king's servants, who were all in the room, said, He didn't get a reward. 4. And the king said, Who is in the court? In the court means walking around in the palace area. Who's available to counsel me is what he's saying. Now Haman was come into the outer court of the king's house to speak unto the king to hang Mordecai on the gallows that he had prepared for him. Haman couldn't even sleep either. He was so eager to have Mordecai killed that he went to the palace before daylight and was waiting for the sun to come up so that he could ask the king permission to hang Mordecai. 5. And the king's servants said unto him, Behold, Haman standeth in the court. And the king said, Let him come in. Now in the king's mind, he's calling in a trusted advisor. And in Haman's mind, he's being called in to ask the king his petition. This is what comedy is all about, misunderstandings. Every time you laugh at a joke or you laugh when you're watching a comic movie or a comic TV show, you're always laughing over misunderstandings. That's what makes life funny. And this is funny because Haman thinks he's coming in to ask for Mordecai's life, but the king thinks Haman is coming in to give the king advice on how to reward Mordecai. 6. So Haman came in, and the king said unto him, What shall be done unto the man whom the king delighteth to honor? Now here's another great comic misunderstanding. Haman is going to think that the king wants to honor him. So Haman is going to make it the absolute best honor he can possibly think of, because he thinks he's going to receive it. 
Now Haman said in his heart, Whom would the king delight to honor besides myself? And of course, because he's a narcissist, what else would he think? Narcissists always think that they're better than everyone else and that they should be constantly the center of attention. And that's how Haman sees himself. And that's how Satan sees himself. Satan thinks he's better than his own creator and that he should be the one who's in constant attention and that we should worship him. Unfortunately, a lot of ignorant people actually do worship Satan, but they're worshiping the created instead of the creator. 7. And Haman said unto the king, For the man whom the king delighteth to honor. 8. Let royal apparel be brought, which the king useth to wear, and the horse that the king rideth upon, and on whose head a crown royal is set. 9. And let the apparel and the horse be delivered to the hand of one of the king's most noble princes, that he may array the man therewith whom the king delighteth to honor, and cause him to ride on horseback through the streets of the city, and proclaim before him, Thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delighteth to honor. This is what Haman wants for himself. He wants to wear the king's own clothing that the king has worn, and he wants to ride on the king's own horse, so that everybody knows that in the king's mind he's as worthy of worship as the king. Haman thinks that he's going to receive all of this and one of the top princes is going to lead his horse through town in this glorious procession. 10. Then the king said to Haman, Make haste and take the apparel and the horse, as thou hast said, and do even so to Mordecai the Jew that sitteth at the king's gate. Let nothing fail of all that thou hast spoken. Now in today's society, people would say, Oh, that's easy to get out of. All Haman had to do was just not do it. But not so, because... This is an order from the king, and there are plenty of witnesses. When the king was awake, having the chronicles read to him, there's people in the bedroom with him, watching and listening. That's what goes on in a palace. The king is never really alone. He always has attendants, plus it's going to get written down by the chronicler that the king told Haman to do this. And Haman can't get out of it because... The other courtiers that are waking up and walking around in the palace are going to instantly hear the news, and they're going to watch the procession and want to watch it. So they're all going to make sure that Haman does what he's told. And if Haman slips in any tiny way, he will be in trouble with the king. So Haman, as much as he hated Mordecai and as awful and miserable of a task this was for Haman, the narcissist, to lower himself below somebody else, which for any narcissist, this would pretty much kill them. But to do this for a man who he wanted dead. 11. Then took Haman the apparel and the horse, and arrayed Mordecai, and caused him to ride through the street of the city, and proclaimed before him, Thus shall it be done unto the man whom the king delighteth to honor. Now can't you imagine? Haman has tears streaming down from his eyes, silent tears, as he shouts this out in front of Mordecai. And Mordecai is trying hard not to laugh, because he knows how much Haman hates him. He'd probably rather be dead than be leading Mordecai's horse through town, shouting out, telling everybody that basically the king loves Mordecai. This is the worst day in Haman's life, but only so far. Haman's life is going to get a lot worse. So this again is another comic twist. 12. And Mordecai returned to the king's gate, but Haman hasted to his house, mourning and having his head covered. So as soon as it was done and Haman had finished parading Mordecai throughout the entire town. 
he ran home with his tail between his legs, and Mordecai himself went back to the king's gate in humility, back to waiting on the king. That was his humble position, was at the king's gate, waiting for information from Esther, waiting to give her information, and waiting to see if there's anything that he can do for the king. There's a verse in the Bible that says, When Jesus returns, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. And when it says every, it means every. That means all the demons, Satan himself, all of the people who hate God will all confess that Jesus is Lord. Even his enemies will bow before him. And we see this with Mordecai and Haman. Haman has had to honor Mordecai as the best. And that's what Satan is going to do for Jesus. And that's one of the reasons why Mordecai represents Jesus in this story. 13. And Haman recounted unto Zeresh his wife and all his friends everything that had befallen him. Then said his wise men and Zeresh his wife unto him, If Mordecai before whom thou hast begun to fall be of the seed of the Jews, thou shalt not prevail against him, but shalt surely fall before him. Haman's wife and friends think that it doesn't look good for Haman to openly attack Mordecai because the king loves Mordecai and has honored him in such a special way. But that edict was already written for the month of Adar for Haman and his men to attack the Jews. That's a law. It's set in stone and it can't be reversed. So at least Haman has that on his side. But he knows that he can't openly say or do anything against Mordecai because it would offend the king. So until the month of Adar occurs, it's kind of going to have to be a hands-off policy. Haman is going to have to leave Mordecai alone and not harass him. 14. While they were yet talking with him came the king's chamberlains and hasted to bring Haman unto the banquet that Esther had prepared. This is the second banquet that Esther had invited Haman to. He originally thought that he'd be going on top of the world on cloud nine because he thought that by the time he went to Esther's banquet, Mordecai would be dead. But instead of being dead, Mordecai has been elevated to being the king's favorite. Now Haman is going to Esther's second feast, completely defeated and completely depressed, the most depressed that a narcissist could ever be. And that concludes Esther chapter 6.